It is Friday the 13th of November here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our Week 9 DraftKings podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me again are Jared Smola and Tyler Syracuse. And this podcast is sponsored by our partners at Fanshare Sports. Fanshare curates hundreds of pieces of daily fantasy sports-related articles, tweets, and podcasts to create the most accurate ownership projections in the industry. Those projections can be found in the lineup generator on DraftSharks.com. And you can find up-to-date ownership info anytime at FanshareSports.com. The season race has tightened up in the Crown is Ass Challenge after Tyler delivered his third weekly victory last week. Tyler, how did you overcome the Justin Jackson hand grenade on DraftKings? Yeah, I had a really good cash game lineup. Uh, I don't even remember who I played. I'm just thinking about it. But uh, I, I remember having a really good week on cash, and I had a terrible week in GPPs because Justin Jackson was my highest-owned running back. I think the key to my lineup was John Brown thinking back. I got him extremely low owned and he had eight catches for 99 yards. So he, he, he did well. And then I had Josh Allen on both sides. So obviously that Bills game went nuclear. So that was big for me. Yeah. John Brown was a killer. Jared, what are the takeaways from your lineup? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think playing Josh Allen and Dalvin cook last week was sort of the key. I um, decided for some, for, some, for some reason not to play Dalvin cook in this lineup. I, I think I got a bit too enamored with the expensive wideouts last week. Like Keenan Allen was really good. Julio is okay. Tyler Lockett, like I, I have to. Tyler Lockett is not a cash game play. He, he's just not. Like he, he's had the two big blow up games, but he's been under ten DK points in four of his last five. So you can you can go to him in tournaments still if you want. But I'm I, I'm not going to let myself play Lockett in cash anymore this season. Yeah, just a little too expensive for the volatility. I, I can't argue yeah. with that. Derek Carr let me down with the late passing volume, made it nearly impossible for me to overcome Justin Jackson. Really. I didn't have any standout performances beyond Dalvin Cook in this lineup either. I think the decisions were okay, um, though I knew that I was building a little bit too much with Chase Edmonds. I probably should have um, faded him a bit more considering how how widely owned he was and probably should have factored in the O-line issues for the Raiders a bit more in planning to use Derek Carr, even in cash. But we'll all be back at it this week for round 10 of the Crown is Ass Challenge. Now it stands at four wins for me, three for Tyler, two for Jared. We will show you who we're playing against each other in the free post for this podcast on DraftSharks.com. For now, though, Tyler, please kick us off with some cash QB talk. So looking through the DraftSharks model, I'm not too high on really any of the top five guys in points per dollar, which is really strange because – that's a site I usually look to, especially for using my cash game quarterbacks. So we have Carson Wentz and Derek Carr at the top. Wentz at 5.9,000 and Derek Carr at 5.4,000. I just feel a little bit more comfortable with Jared Goff at 6,500 going up against that Seahawks defense. That's just a matchup that it seems every quarterback easily gets the 300-yard bonus. Uh, the Rams are coming off the bye, and they've scored 28-plus against the Seahawks the last, I think, four times they've played them. So I don't think any reason that Jared Goff isn't going to get the 300-yard bonus, should be able to get two touchdowns. So I think he's got a pretty high floor. He offers us like around $1,000 savings compared to Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, and Kyler Murray. Yeah, I certainly like Jared Goff this week. What about you, Jared? Yeah, I mean, I, I ended up playing Derek Carr in cash last week too, and I I said back in like three or four that I, I, th- I think paying up at quarterback this season makes sense how, you know, these guys are scoring this year. So I think Josh Allen is in play at 7,500. I might just go all the way up to Kyler Murray 
at 8,000. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about Mike Davis, but playing him makes it you know, pretty easy to fit Kyler in there. Kyler Murray, he's averaging 31.4 DraftKings points per game. That That's on pace to be the highest scoring fantasy quarterback of all time. More fantasy points per game than Patrick Mahomes scored in 2018. More fantasy points per game than Lamar Jackson scored this past season. So, you know, the Bills Cardinals game, we obviously like 56 point over under uh, Arizona's implied total 29.25 second highest on the week. And the bills are 27th in adjusted points allowed to quarterback. So it, it's a plus matchup for Murray on top of all that. Yeah. And I probably should give stronger consideration to paying up at quarterback. I'm not sure that I ultimately will when I'm building my lineup, but we'll, we'll see. I think among the the 5k options this week there, you know, there are a few guys to consider. Carson Wentz is pretty easily my top among the 5k guys. He had a goofy bad game against Dallas, even for him this season last year or last time out against the Cowboys. Uh, four turnovers in that game, season low, 27 pass attempts. So even though he's shown the downside in general this season, I'm going to throw that particular one out. Before that game, Wentz had five straight games of 19.4 DK points or more, averaged 21.6 DK points per game over that stretch. That included a season high 13. 31.7 against the Giants last time. So I think Wentz is a pretty good bet. Now, is there a chance that he busts for me? Sure. But I think that that chance is fairly low against the Giants, you know, relative to his price. But we'll see if I do go up instead to Jared Goff at 6,500. Maybe Drew Brees at 6,400 in play as well. Tyler, what are you playing GPP at quarterback? GPPs, I think I'm going to go back to Justin Herbert sitting at 6.6 thousand. Uh, I would expect Jared Goff to soak up a lot of tournament ownership as well. So I think uh, Herbert might come in a little bit uh, lower owned. Definitely going to go back to Josh Young coming off the monster game. I just think both of his receivers are in really good situations going up against the Cardinals. Uh, we're not scared about Patrick Peterson anymore. Uh, Josh Young, 7.5 thousand. And I think he's got you know, top three ceiling on, among quarterbacks. Once again, uh, it's the highest over under of the slate. And I'd expect Murray to be a little bit higher owned. So Allen will offer us a little bit of leverage there. Definitely going to go back to Russell Wilson too. Uh, that's the second highest over under on the slate. So that's going to be two games where I'm really looking to target. It's going to be chalky, but we'll, we'll look to differentiate in different parts of our lineup. What about you, Jared? Yeah, I like golf for tournaments. And I don't know. The more Tyler talks about him as a cash play, he he might be in play there. I might have to mess around with golf in my cash lineup as well. But um, yeah, for, for tournaments, you know, we, we know about the upside versus the Seahawks pass defense. I also like that Seattle just 21st in adjusted sack rate. And, you know, it's not a really you know, high pressuring defense, uh, which is, you know, what tends to bother golf most. Golf already has outings of 31 and 28. DraftKings points this season. So he's shown us, you know, a tournament winning ceiling. The other thing I like about Goff too, is I think you can stack him with Cooper cup and Robert Woods and soak up a lot of his production. Those two guys have accounted for 45% of Jared Goff's yardage this season and 46% of his touchdowns. Yeah, I agree with that. Jared Goff's going to be one of my main guys in GPPs. Him and Justin Herbert, I think, are going to be my my primary focal points. I expect there to be more focus on Josh Allen, Kyler Murray in that matchup. I think both of those games have you know similar ceilings. And I agree with you, Jared, on the stacking options here. Not only do we have the two wide receivers there, but we also have attractive run-it-back options. I think I like Tyler Lockett, still $1,100 cheaper than DK Metcalf. Metcalf should get the Jalen Ramsey shadow this week. I'm not saying that that knocks Metcalf out of consideration, but it should at least help Tyler Lockett. Maybe we get a situation like we did against Arizona a few weeks ago 
where Seattle's just not trying that hard to get the ball to Metcalf and they're instead loading up Lockett with targets. There's also some sneaky tight end options in the, the Rams Seattle stack with Gerald Everett at 3,100 coming off a nine target game at Miami, Jacob Hollister, seven targets last time out. He's at 2,600. He led Seattle tight ends and snaps last week. So I, I think those are just a couple other interesting options in that matchup. I think on the pressure front, you know, you talk about Jared Goff, kind of being in trouble when he gets pressured. Seattle's not been good there in general, but they did do better last week. 10 QB hits, seven sacks against Buffalo. So, I mean, if they do that again, then maybe it's an issue for Goff. They're also heading into this game, though, with maybe missing Quentin Dunbar and Shaq Griffin, their top two corners, possibly also missing linebacker K.J. Wright, who is who uh, PFF has as their primary tight end coverage guy. So it's a bad defense that's even dealing with further issues on defense facing Goff this week. Yeah, th- those tight ends are interesting. For me, th- that'd be like if I'm you know building 150 lineups, I would sprinkle those guys in. Same goes for Josh Reynolds. He's only 3,500 bucks. You know, if you're building a bunch of golf stacks, I would you know use Reynolds and some of those. Uh, one note too about Jalen Ramsey: the Rams haven't really been using him to shadow this season. He's actually been playing like a you know Tyron Matthew type of role. He's kind of playing all over the field. He's been playing linebacker at times. So I'm sure he'll spend some, maybe even most of the game on Metcalf. But I don't think it's going to be a straight shadow situation. Mm-hmm. running back Tyler what do you like I'm thinking it's looking like the trio of running backs I'm going to use in cash is going to be Aaron Jones Chase Edmonds and Mike Davis Mike Davis is obviously a lock at minimum price with Christian McCaffrey expected to miss the game he's probably going to be over 90 percent in cash DraftKings just accidentally um, moved him to four thousand dollars not knowing that McCaffrey was injured so He's definitely going to be the value play of the week. Uh, it's a tough matchup, but we have to lock him in there, assuming he's going to play 80% of the snap. He had eight catches uh, back in week two against that same team. So we don't need to talk too much about him. Chase Edmonds played 96% of the snaps last week. Now he has a better matchup. Uh, well, another good matchup against the Bills. I was surprised he wasn't more efficient going up against that Dolphins rush defense last week. But if he's playing 96% of the snaps, he got 28 running back opportunities. 28 opportunities last week so he really should be doing more once again that's the highest over under of the slate so I think Chase Edmonds is a solid cash game play once again even though the Cardinals running backs really haven't been effective this season I just think if he's out there that much he should have a pretty good chance at a touchdown and if he's getting 20 carries maybe he could get us a 100 yard bonus and he's a guy that catches passes too and then Aaron Jones has two touchdown favorites I think he's underpriced at 7.1,000. He's just a guy that really gets a lot of, uh, you know, he's got great efficiency. He scored 20 touchdowns last year. He's got eight touchdowns through seven games this year. So I just think it's a smash spot at home against that Jaguars defense. Yeah, I'm going to have to try to not let recency bias turn me completely against Chase Edmonds this week. We'll certainly have to watch Kenyon Drake, though, to see if he returns this game because that's going to alter the outlook, even if Chase Edmonds is still usable at that point. Jared, what do you got? Yeah, Chase Edmonds will probably be in my cash lineup if Kenny and Drake's out. I don't know. It seems to me that Drake's trending towards returning for this game, though. So you know, that, that that would knock Edmonds out of cash game consideration for me. Aaron Jones will be my first guy in. Um, I, I agree with Tyler. Like, I'd play Jones at 8,000 in this matchup. You know, big home favorites, huge implied total, bad Jags run defense. So Jones is in there. Mike Davis is going to be in there. You just got to play him. And then Duke Johnson's the other guy. I was I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on Duke Johnson because I've always been a big Duke Johnson fan. I'm, like, excited about him in this, you know, lead role in a pretty good matchup. But then I think, like, if David Johnson was 5K here, would I be playing him in cash? And I don't know. He, he'd be an option, but he wouldn't be, like, a lock for me. So 
Thoughts on Duke Johnson? I think the difference between Duke Johnson and David Johnson in the spot is that if they were both playing, then we couldn't really count on reception upside for David Johnson because he yeah. hasn't been catching that many passes. But with him out, the receptions that go to both of them normally should come together and give Duke Johnson a better shot at four catches in this game. Yeah, good point. I just know in the past coaches have been unwilling to give him like a workhorse role. I'd have to go back and look at the snap share last week once David Johnson went down. But if he played, you know, 80 over 80 percent of the snaps, I'd definitely be willing to to roster him in GPPs. And then he'd be an option in cash for sure if if Kenyon Drake uh, comes back, which would take Chase Edmonds out of play. Yeah, he, he dominated the running back work after David Johnson left last week. You know, the Texans obviously weren't planning on, on losing David Johnson, though. So I think this week, you know, they might call up C.J. Procise from the practice squad. So there, there is definitely a chance that, you know, Duke only gets 75% of the running back work. I, I think I think he should get all of it, but um, that's no guarantee, obviously. I would certainly take Duke Johnson at 75% of the carries and, you know, five or six targets. It's annoying that we have a four thousand dollar Mike Davis yeah. on the slate. Really, I mean, it's it's kind of a stupid mistake to make. I noticed that also Latavius Murray's at four thousand, Jamal Williams is at four thousand. So I don't know. Maybe they just auto set those backup running backs at four thousand dollars most weeks. I guess that's just the floor, and I don't notice it because we usually don't have a situation like this. But I don't know. It, it seems like you'd have to notice Christian McCaffrey's injury, or maybe this is a signal to not just do that, especially with guys who have stepped in as handcuffs this season and produced like Mike Davis. So I don't know. It's an annoying thing for, for this slate. I think beyond the guys that you guys have already mentioned, I think Antonio Gibson at 5,600 is in play. It's going to be tough to play him over Duke Johnson though. Miles Sanders, 6,400 against the giants. Certainly like Aaron Jones, 7,100 uh, a lot as well. I'll switch over to the GPP side. I think Miles Sanders is especially attractive there. 6,400 bucks. Um, fan share ownership projections were not available when I put together my notes for this, unfortunately, but I feel like Sanders seems like the kind of guy who could go a little lower owned than he should. He's mid priced in a week where we have a lot of cheap options on the RB slate, 21.2 opportunities per game for him over his four healthy outings this year. He's averaging 105 total yards per game, including the Baltimore game that he left early with an injury. Giants are a positive matchup for running back scoring at this point. So I don't think there's anything to dislike about Miles Sanders, who says he feels good this week. Doesn't seem like re-injury should be an issue. And then James Conner, I feel like I mentioned just every week, but it's another positive matchup for him, 6900 bucks for him. He's coming off consecutive disappointing outings, which I think should help lower his ownership rate. But the first came against Baltimore. I think we would predict that one to be a rough outing. And last week was just goofy usage against Dallas. And his snaps did not go to other running backs. He still ran 19 routes, had 21 total pass play snaps versus six combined for Benny Snell and, and Anthony McFarland. So to me, it's not to me, it's just a weird game. It's not one that makes me worry about James Conner going forward. And then the matchup, the Bengals are a neutral matchup by um, adjusted fantasy points allowed, but 25th in run defense DVOA. They've allowed seven running backs to top 14 and a half PPR points so far this season. And they've done that even while allowing just five rushing touchdowns to all running backs. So it's a good spot for Conner, I think. Yeah, I like both those guys. Sanders, especially, um, you know, he, he was listed as a full participant on Thursday. So I, I would expect him to be back in his usual role here. Um, so he's probably a bit underpriced. You know, he'll probably be up in the 7,000 starting next week. Um, I like Leonard Fournette in tournaments, 5,500 bucks. Um, he, he's been dominating passing down work over Ronald Jones 
19 targets to 10 over the last three games. Uh, he's run 79 pass routes versus just 36 for Ronald Jones. So Fournette's the guy who's going to get the passing down work. That's big on DraftKings. Fournette's also outcarried Ronald Jones 27 to 23 over the last three games. And you know, this Panthers run D remains much worse than the past defense. Uh, Football Outsiders says the Panthers 24th in run defense. They're 25th in adjusted points allowed to running backs. The Bucks are six-point favorites here. They have the fourth highest implied total on the main slate. So I think Fournette's a good touchdown bet. I, I just think he's going to go overlooked with some of these other cheaper running backs and the fact that it, it is still a committee with Ronald Jones there. Tyler, what else you got? So I really don't find it annoying at all that, that Mike Davis's minimum price. It's just I, I tend to have my best weeks where we get these running back values that are minimum priced. And I think Mike Davis is an exceptional value for obvious reasons along with Duke Johnson. And then I really trust my um, my ability to pick studs at the quarterback and wide receiver position. And that's what it's going to come down to this week. If everybody is using the same running back values, we're going to have to find which receivers are going to go off in which quarterback stacks. And and I think I have a pretty good feel for that this week. So I don't mind Davis at 4,000. That's yep. fine. I'm, I'm 40 and you're not, so I don't mind being the crotchety guy. Yeah. Are you playing Mike Davis in all, all your tournament lineups then? He'll probably be a lock play for me. Um, you know, it's not a great matchup, but I think he's just got such a good shot at 15 points for playing him along with Duke Johnson plus one other stud running back, whether it's Aaron Jones or or um, Alvin Kamara. I think it just offers so much upside when you can pay up at the wide receiver position or get whatever tight end you want, get whatever stack you want. And then it's just a matter of nailing that that right stack for the week. But the only other running back I wanted to mention was uh, James Robinson. He's at an interesting price tag at 6.6 thousand. And it's kind of a weird spot for Robinson because the, the Jaguars are 13 and a half point underdogs. But I feel like he, you know, he's got a really good matchup. Packers have given up a lot of big games to opposing RBs. And I'd expect the Jaguars to lean on James Robinson. So as long as they're not losing by four touchdowns. I still think, you know, he'll get his 17 to 21 carries and they've continued to use him in the passing game. Although he didn't have any catches last week was a little, it was a little bit concerning uh, with Luton's first start there. So they can throw him a couple balls and I think he's got, you know, a shot at a hundred yards again and in multiple scores. Yeah. And Robinson did still run more routes than Chris Thompson last week. So it might not be as alarming as it seems. We'll see where that goes going forward. Tyler, I'm going to have to ban you from mentioning James Robinson though. If you keep saying Jaguars on the show, weather wise, I'm going to, I'll move into that Jacksonville game because we're at wide receiver and weather wise, I think there are two games to watch heading into the weekend. We've got potentially windy conditions in the Jacksonville green Bay game. And then according to NFLweather.com, the Sunday forecast for Cleveland is, quote, dangerously windy. So yeah. that doesn't sound favorable for passing games. I, I can't say that I was leaning toward too much on the Cleveland side anyway, but Houston would be a, a more interesting offense in better conditions. Jared, who do you like for cash wide receiver? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've kind of crossed out that Texans-Browns game from the passing side because of that forecast. You know, it's like 40-plus mile-per-hour gusts. That would that would have to knock those guys out. I mean, Deshaun Watson would have been a cash game play for me at 6900 bucks. Brandon Cooks, I think, is like the best value at wide receiver at 5600 with the volume he's been seeing. But, again, if it's going to be windy there, you definitely can't play him in cash. Um, I'm going to go back to Keenan Allen, 7100 bucks. Uh, 10 plus targets now in all six healthy games with Justin Herbert, averaging 12.7 targets per game over that span, 23.4 DK points per game in those six outings. Um, and he moves around the formation enough. He's 
played 55% of his snaps on the outside this season. So he will see, you know, a good bit of Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, but 45% in the slot for Keenan Allen. He'll get Nick Needham in there. Um, he's PFF's 77th ranked corner out of 103 qualifiers. He's allowed a 69% catch rate, 8.5 yards per target. Maybe the Chargers are smart and, you know, play Allen even more in the slot in this matchup. But either way, I think, you know, the volume makes him a strong value, even at, even at this price tag, which, which is climbing, but still isn't high enough. I think betting on the Chargers coaching smart is not a good bet at this point, but I'm certainly with you on Keenan Allen getting targets. Tyler, what do you like? I have Keenan Allen down as well. Uh, I'd assume him to be one of the highest owned wide receivers in cash, just with the running back values we have and the target volume that he's been seeing in that offense. Uh, I'm definitely going to have one of the Rams wide receivers in cash. I, I think Cooper Cup is $300 more than Robert Woods. Cooper Cup, I think, has seen 17 more targets than Woods this season. So he's a little bit safer of a bet for target volume. He was coming off that 20 target game against the Dolphins. Coach McVay said he's just been a little banged up with the oblique and wrist injuries, but he should be fine to play. He was probably just banged up after after getting so many targets <laughs> against the Dolphins before the bye, but he, he should be fine. So I'm definitely going to prioritize one of those guys. Cooper Cup is probably a, a better option in cash. So if I have the money, I'll go with him. But I have no problem playing Robert Woods either. Like Jared said, they're 45% of the Rams target. So they're definitely the, the safest guys. And I think both of them have a pretty good shot at 100 plus yards. Yeah, I agree with all those guys. I, I got three kids, so I'm going to shop for some deals here and go for lower prices. I'll focus on Devontae Parker, 5000 bucks in that game against the Chargers. It could be a shootout. I, I just think he's too cheap at 5000 for the role and the matchup. Uh, and especially for playing Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen on the other side. Deontay Johnson, 5,200, I think is solid against the Bengals. Not as safe as you'd like with the, the loaded receiver core there, but he has seen double-digit targets much more often than he has not. So a decent play there. And Sterling Shepard, kind of a floor play at 5000 bucks against the Eagles. And then switching over to the GPP side, there are even multiple options in the 3K range this week. We talked about the affordability at running back, so we might not need them. But if you are building a lineup where you want to put in like Aaron Jones and Alvin Kamara, there's... Jakeem Grant at the minimum of 3000 bucks, 48% playing time last week, his highest since week one. So he benefits from Preston Williams being out four catches in two of the past three games for him. Jakeem Grant's got big play speed. So we can't expect more than four catches, but he has the speed that could turn one of those into a long touchdown in that game. And Chargers slot cornerbacks have gotten worse as the year has gone on. They started with Chris Harris as the primary guy there. Then Desmond King, they traded him to Tennessee. Now it's Tavon Campbell. Uh, they've been generous to slot receivers on low target volume in recent times, and that's where Jakeem Grant will primarily be. Josh Reynolds, 3,500, Jared mentioned earlier, I think is also an option. Also Danny Amendola, 3,900. Yeah, but Parker's going to be in my cash lineup, and I, I was looking at Amendola too. Um, I, I think if TJ Hawkinson ends up missing along with Galladay, that, uh, you know, that obviously strengthens Amendola's target projection. I agree. Who else you like at GPP wide up? I like Michael Thomas for tournaments, 7,400 bucks. I mean, if you saw that price tag back in week one, you'd, you'd think it's crazy. It's obviously been a rough season for him with the, you know, the off the off field stuff and, and the injuries. But, um, you know, he in his return last week, he basically played a full time role. I think they pulled him late in that game in the blowout. But, um, you know, he's he gets a, a banged up Niners defense. He's at home. You know, we, we always talk about Drew Brees' home road splits, but. Last year, Michael Thomas averaged about eight catches and 87 yards per game on the road. So, you know, obviously nice numbers. He averaged 11 catches and 128 yards per game 
at home. Um, so yeah, I, I think I, I'm curious to see what the ownership comes in on Thomas at the price tag, but I think um, he, he's just underpriced and he has, he has the upside to be the highest scoring wide receiver on the week. Yeah. I think with the kind of wealth of options across ranges this week, I'll be looking a little bit more at ownership for those lineups than I might usually just to see if there are any sneaky plays out there. Not certainly not to just let it drive my decisions, yeah. but yeah, I like that Drew Brees, Michael Thomas stack as a possibility for GPPs as well. Tyler, what do you like for GPP wideout? So looking through the Draft Sharks uh, fan share ownership projections, it looks like they have Michael Thomas at 10.5%. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. A couple other guys I like are Stefan Diggs. He's, I think, the chalkiest option right now, along with Devontae Adams. Both of them are coming in around 27% projected ownership. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with Devontae Adams yet. Uh, like I said, it's a week where we have a lot of value on the slate, so we definitely could get Devontae Adams in our lineup if we want to. It's weird the the Packers, a lot of times when they get to the one-yard line, they're just throwing him those little bubble screens or they're getting a quick out to him. So it's like he's like their goal line back. But I'm going to have Aaron Jones, so I would hate to see uh, those one-yard Devontae Adams touchdowns this week. That would really suck. But uh, GPP wide receiver, I like Tyler Lockett a lot. As Jared said, he, he does have – four of his last five games under 10 points but he's also been the wide receiver one two different weeks on the season so coming off a few bad games I think we could definitely go back to him and I'm I'm definitely going to overweight the field on Tyler Lockett he's coming in 12.8 projected ownership he's got a tremendous ceiling and he has the better matchup in the slot I'm going to play some Antonio Brown this week I was surprised at his usage in his first game back this season he played 39 of 50 snaps. You know, he hardly practiced with the team. And coming off a 38-3 to embarrassing loss, I think the Bucks are absolutely going to steamroll the Panthers. So I think I'm going to have some Tom Brady stacks as well. I think with Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown, I think they're just in a really good spot this week. I think they're going to score over 35-plus points. I mean, Antonio Brown, he was – in my opinion, the best wide receiver as long as he was, as long as he was in the league for the last five seasons compared to Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams. He's just a guy that always gets open. He was always double teamed in Pittsburgh. So at 5,800, it, it's really weird seeing him at that price tag, and I'll definitely be throwing him in some of my lineups. Another Brown I'm going to be playing is John Brown, 5.3,000. He looks really healthy last week. He set season highs in yards, catches, and targets. And got another good matchup going up against the Cardinals defense. I think it's never not weird to see Antonio Brown at this point, no matter what the context is. Yeah. In that, I think that Bucks Panthers game has a bit more shootout potential. I mean, we'll see if if the Bucks get everything righted around versus the past two games, then I could see them controlling it. But I could also see this just being a shootout overall. So I think that yeah. really puts all the Panthers wideouts in consideration. DJ Moore fifty one hundred, Robbie Anderson sixty one hundred, Curtis Samuel forty nine hundred. The Bucks lead corner Carlton Davis missed practice Thursday, but it sounds like it was just kind of resting a sore knee that he's going to come back from. Both Moore and Anderson had 10-plus targets in the first meeting. Both guys topped 100 receiving yards in that game. Curtis Samuel has beat Moore in targets two of the past three weeks, so Moore is certainly far from a safe option, but 5,100 is a nice price, and he's still the leader among Panthers in uh, – route rate for the season so he's consistently over 90 percent in that category it wouldn't be shocking to see a dj Moore game pop up out of nowhere so uh I, he's somebody to consider and somebody who i think is likely to go single single digit percentage owned yeah i, I like that bucks panthers game it's just there there's so many 
ways to stack it. I feel like I, I need to make, you know, like five or six lineups uh, to, you know, kind of cover all the bases there. But I do kind of like DJ Moore just as, as like a one-off play at the price tag. I know the volume has been disappointing, but I, I still believe in him as a player. And, and he has popped up for, you know, a few double-digit target games this season. Tight end, Cash, Tyler, what are you playing? I'm leaning towards Austin Hooper at 3,900. It seems like he's the cheapest reasonable option. And with the heavy wins in that game, he's a guy that really doesn't run routes down the field. So it could be one of those ugly 10 catch for 60 yard game. Uh, I was considering Hunter Henry and Dallas Goddard as well. They're just a couple hundred dollars more, but it's between those three guys. There. Yeah, it's, it's going to be Goddard for me. I mean, it's a good point about Hooper being a short range guy. I just think when you have a, a win game like that, like just the, the upside of the entire game goes down. Like we saw the Browns Raiders game when it had win was just an ugly low scoring game. So I, I'd like to get up to Goddard 4,200 bucks. I mean, he's obviously not safe in just his second game back from injury, but like no tight ends outside of Kelsey and, and Darren Waller are really safe from week to week. Um, Goddard's playing time was good in that first game back against the Cowboys before the bye week. He's not even on the injury report this week. So I don't think the ankle, is a concern anymore. Um, he had 17 targets in his two healthy games to open this to open the season. Those came with Zach Ertz, who is still out this week. So I think Goddard is a good target bet. And you know, the matchup against the Giants is nothing to worry about. We saw Richard Rogers catch six balls for 85 yards against the Giants a few weeks ago. Yeah, I agree with both Austin Hooper and Dallas Goddard. Those are my two starting points. Really, the only difference between them is whether that three hundred dollar difference in salary matters. If I can't yeah. Uh, get to Dallas Goddard with the rest of what I want in the lineup, then I'm fine with Austin Hooper. But I, I agree, I would like to get to Dallas Goddard because I think that his ceiling is much higher than Austin Hooper's this week. Over on GPP, I'm also looking Goddard's way there. And I also think Evan Engram at 4,500 is kind of the end of the high end for me this week at tight end. He's seen 29 targets over the past three weeks, nine plus in each of those three games. No tight end has seen more than that. Only six wide receivers have seen more targets than that over the past three weeks. Philly is the number two scoring matchup for tight ends in the league. And Evan Ingram had a fine game against them last time. Was close to having a bigger game. Almost had a Richard Rodgers level game. But uh, we we know that he can produce in this match if he's been getting the ball a lot more lately. Yeah, Ingram's my GPP tight end too. Um, like you said, Matt, he's he's got he's gotten the volume. He's third among tight ends in targets on the season. The matchup's good. And Ingram's one of like a few tight ends that you can – you know, that has a chance to like break off a 60 yard touchdown with his speed. Tyler, what do you like on GPP side? So in general, it's like a really ugly tight end week since we don't have Travis Kelsey and George Kittle and Zach Ertz on the slate. So I think we're definitely going to have to prioritize Darren Waller, who has the highest tight end ceiling by far on the slate. I really don't feel comfortable with any of those tight ends in the upper $4,000 range, including TJ Hawkinson at 5.1. Noah Fant, 4.9, Gronk, 4.7, Jared Cook, 4.6. None of those guys do it for me. So I'm definitely going to be extremely heavy on Darren Waller with all the the value we have on the slate and hope he uh, has one of those 10-catch, 100-yard games. And then besides Waller, I'm, I'm definitely going to have a lot of Goddard in GPPs, even if I have him in cash, because I think at 4.2 thousand, he's just got uh, a pretty safe floor ceiling combination and i'm going to look to overweight the field for sure on, on goddard as well i think it's within reason to consider just uh, not really punting tight end but spending elsewhere and just going low at tight end because we have logan thomas 3300 bucks if tracy walker is out for the lions gerald everett 3100 jordan akins 2900 against the browns it's been a favorable matchup for tight ends and then jacob hollister at 2700 
against that um, Rams team that's just been a middling matchup for tight end so far and slightly positive by adjusted fantasy points allowed. I think it's okay to go with one of those guys in that tight end slot if you want to pay up at all the other you know positions and just hope that you get somebody that catches five balls or finds the end zone. Yeah, I mean, I never have an issue with punting a tight end. Although, I mean, this week with, with Mike Davis and even Duke Johnson, it's probably, you probably don't need to as much as uh, most weeks. Right. Over at Flex, Jared, what are you favoring? Uh, yeah, so in cash, I'm going to play three of Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, Duke Johnson, Mike Davis, assuming Kenny and Drake's back, that knocks Edmonds out. Um, in tournaments, we mentioned Miles Sanders, Chris Godwin, I think Tyler mentioned briefly. He's 6000 bucks. Um I think that the finger didn't seem to be a major issue last week. So I think he's a bit underpriced. And then last guy I'll mention is Jalen Rager, 4,200 bucks. Um, yeah, I don't think you can play him in cash just as a rookie who's missed a bunch of time with injury, but yeah, I think he's talented enough to become the Eagles top wide receiver the rest of the way. And, you know, this might be as cheap as he is the rest of the season. Yeah. I'd prefer him in the fan duel format, but I certainly like the upside. Tyler, what do you like in flex? I think we really mentioned all the guys I'm interested in. I was just going to dig into the uh, 49ers wide receiver position. It looks like Kendrick Bourne is returning, and he's at 4,400. Debo Samuel still questionable at 5.4 thousand. So those guys are kind of interesting in a game where they should be trailing in a dome. I think they got you know a decent shot, and they'll come in probably pretty low owned. But besides that, it's definitely going to be mostly a three running back week for me. There's going to be uh, no double tight end lineups for me this week. Uh, and then just wide receivers in those two popular games, I'm definitely going to have a lot of them with the Seahawks Rams because we just have such clear stacking options with Metcalf, Lockett, and then Cup and Woods on the other side. And then same thing with the Cardinals and Bills game. I guess Christian Kirk would be another option. I'd expect Tredavious White to uh, not shut down DeAndre Hopkins but limit him enough to where we don't need Hopkins and GPPs. And then Christian Kirk has been more of the deep threat anyway, so I think he's got a pretty good ceiling in a game with a with an extremely high over-under. Yeah, I think I'll probably give wide receivers more of a look in that flex spot this week than I usually do, especially with Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry off the slate, McCaffrey hurt. Even Alvin Kamara has a negative matchup. I'm not saying he's out of play, but, you know, it's not a, a I need to play Alvin Kamara week. I, I agree with generally looking away from a second tight end, but I could see – a Dallas Goddard, Evan Ingram lineup, especially if it's got Carson Wentz or Daniel Jones at quarterback. I think both of those guys have 10 plus target upside in this game. And I mean, if they do that and score a touchdown, then it's a big day. Defense. I'm starting with the Lions at 2,600 against Washington Giants at 2,700 against Philly. Next step would be Saints at 3,000 bucks hosting Nick Mullins and the Niners. And then I'm probably staying in that range. I doubt that I would go up to even the Eagles at 3,600, but that would be the last step in my progression. Yeah, Saints are the defense I'd like to get, you know, a bit more expensive than I like to, to go in cash. But again, we have a bit more money to spend this week with the Mike Davis play. Um, Saints are 10-point home favorites, you know, so you're going to get – 40-plus dropbacks out of Nick Mullins, most likely. And the Niners have the second-lowest implied total on the main slate. If I can't get to the Saints, um, you mentioned the Giants and the Lions. I think the Dolphins at home are in play. Um, and I think the Raiders are the cheapest you can go. Not a good defense, but again, Drew Locke is turnover-prone. So 2500 bucks for the Raiders is okay. I can't believe you just spoke out against Justin Herbert. And Tyler, what you got? I'm going to split my defenses up into tiers this week. Definitely the upper tier. I'm going to have exposure to Steelers. We're going to have extra money this week. They're going. They're home against a Bengals team that is extremely pass-happy, and Joe Burrow's prone to making mistakes. The Steelers' defense really let us down last week going up against the Cowboys, but 
and they're still undefeated. And you know the Bengals are going to be hungry, but just that Steelers defensive line going up against that Bengals offensive line is a huge mismatch. So I think we're on a sprinkle in the Steelers. The Saints and the Browns were my favorite defenses in the mid-tier. And then I think at the bottom range, we can go all the way down to the Rams. They're only 2,200, and they're going up against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Russ just had a four-turnover game against the Bills and attacked five times. So we all know Aaron Donald can wreak havoc on opposing offensive lines. So I think the Rams are definitely in play at at just 2,200 as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, can probably count on some, you can probably count on some sacks in the Rams. I wouldn't count on Russell Wilson turning it over four times again. <laughs> yeah, we don't need four turnovers at 2200 bucks though. Yeah. But before, before we head out, Tyler, what are your betting favorites for the week? So it's a really good teaser week. I usually play a lot of teasers in general, but there's a lot of one-and-a-half to two-and-a-half point underdogs that I like this week. So two examples of that are the Seahawks and the Bills. Uh, they were both plus two and a half. So if you use a six point teaser, you could get them up to plus eight and a half. I'd expect both of these teams to keep it within one score. So you got Seattle plus eight and a half against the Rams coming off of a loss, an embarrassing loss against the Bills. And then we got the Bills plus eight and a half against the Cardinals. I think that should be a back and forth game. And I think Josh Allen and the, and the Bills wide receivers just have mismatches all over the field and they should be able to keep up with Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. And just in case anybody's new to the show, what do you mean by the six-point teaser for those two combined games? So with both of them plus two and a half, with the six-point teaser, we get it up to eight and a half. So both of the teams have to cover the eight and a half spread and you win your bet. So it's kind of like a little parlay, but you get that six points added on each leg of the game. So even if the Bills lose by eight points or the Seahawks lose by eight points, when you have them plus eight and a half, they'd still cover the spread there. Jared, you got any favorites? Just keep betting the overs in the Seahawks games. You know, th- those should be like in the high 50s and they're still like in the mid 50s. I-, I like the over in the Bills Cardinals game too. And I know that Tyler said he thinks the Bucks are going to steamroll the Panthers this week, but I'm going to take the Panthers with six points at home against the Bucks. They allowed the Bucks allowed 427 yards to Carolina back in week two. The past two games, of course, they got slaughtered by the Saints. And then before that, they needed a comeback to beat the Giants by two on the road. So I, I think this game is going to be closer than that six-point line would suggest. I guess that's going to do it for this weekend DraftKings podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now. Get cash game recommendations from Jared. Get some tournament picks from Tyler. He will also lay out his favorite stacks for the week. Check out the lineup generator to build your own lineups with the help of the DS projections and fan share ownership projections. And then come Saturday morning, we will show you who we're playing against each other in week 10 of the Crown is Ass Challenge. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. Tyler is at Tyler Syracuse with an I. And I am at ShaufDS. That's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola, Tyler Syracuse, and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Shaft saying thanks so much for swimming with us.